Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Ranieri. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week... Hi, kids. Here's an important message from your Uncle Bill. Don't buy drugs. Become a pop star and they give you them for free. That's right, we're watching Love Actually from 2003, directed by Richard Curtis. Directed and written by Richard Curtis, actually. I'm very excited to watch this movie. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) And out of the two of us, that totals up to a... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Um, One of us that's super excited to watch this movie. Yes, Uh, I don't care if you're excited to watch the movie or not, because I'm excited to watch the movie. It has been at least two years since I've watched it. I've avoided it since we started this podcast because I wanted to watch it, and I wanted to sort of follow the rules of the podcast uh, while watching it. And we won't do that for every movie that we are really excited about, or one of us is really excited about. But I've avoided it up until now, and so we're going to watch it. Yeah, we are. So it it may may not be a horrible movie maybe it's okay maybe it's good i you know it's it's funny because i'm no stranger to enjoying like a a nice romantic comedy you like there's no like oh that's not my kind of movie it's not like that at all um i can list off 20 movies in that genre that i love is just this one i haven't watched for a very long time because Back when I watched it, I can't even remember when. Like your dad was, read you the novelization of it, and, and you I got was scared. scared. I was so scared. <laughs> it's a. It was. Thank you. That was. That was hilarious. That's a great callback. Yeah. So when I, <laughs> when I do, uh, get over the fear of the, you know, uh, the darkness dwelling Hugh Grant's and and things like that. Liam Neeson's <laughs> is Hugh Grant's in this, right? Yes. Okay. For a second, I was like, wait a second, maybe he's not even in this. You know, I remember the one kid who, you know, from from Game of Thrones and maybe Maze Runner who played the drums as a little Was he in Game of Thrones? Yeah, he was one of the wildlings that, like, helped when Bran was originally... I I haven't watched Game of Thrones. You could literally say any words right now and I'd go, oh, okay. No, but no, I'm just trying to let you know that it's when Bran met up with Fred uh, Flintstone and was like, yo, where can I get some tasty cocoa pebbles? And he's like, I've got them, sir. And, but, you know, so like that classic line that your friends are probably always quoting. I remember um, those, that line. Yeah. Somebody came to work on a Monday after watching a, a Sunday episode of Game of Thrones and was all like, yabba dabba do." It's like, yeah, that crossover that no one really expected, but everyone needed. Wow, um, George R. R. Martin is a genius. It wasn't his, it wasn't his choice. I mean, that that's the thing. That's why when HBO went so off it's the not rails. In the books? Yeah. So that was oh, the, the big, you know, Roger Rabbit style animated crossover that everyone got all upset about, but I kinda liked it. Well anyhow, um, I knew he was in Maze Runner. Yeah, so at any rate, um that kid I remember being 
entertained by that subplot. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, I want to see if, if there was like something definitive in this movie that at the time just made me angry. And it was just something, you know, that, that was in the water at the time, you know, just some momentary, <laughs> you know, maybe I was just, you know, pissed off at the world that day or, or, or if there's just something that I find bad or annoying or not good in this movie, I genuinely don't know. I have a not wonderful anticipatory flavor in my memory banks, but I'm still looking forward to watching this at the very least to, you know, maybe fight with you over it because I know that you have a very strong, happy feeling about this movie. Well, I do. And I I don't know that it's any, for any particular reason, like this movie isn't particularly deep. Like it's, it's a fun rom-com and it's maybe it's because it's British and I love, British comedy and that's that's sort of that that may be fueling my my love for it but it's it's star-studded and it's fun and sometimes like it's okay for me it's sometimes just okay to be like in a movie or enjoying a movie that's just like in the spirit of love and Christmas and and being you know being funny or, or, or cutesy or whatever. Like sometimes it also, it's what I'm into. It has Rick Grimes in it, right? Or wait, have you not seen The Walking Dead either? <laughs> I haven't seen The Walking Dead, and yes, he is also in it. I think it's so weird that The Walking Dead also had the Flintstones crossover. Well, that was a crazy arc, right? They did like seven episodes. Yeah. They, they, the casting for Barney was really weird. I know. It's weird that they didn't, and it wasn't animated. It was just like, you know, live It was action. just Idris Elba walking around yeah, as Barney. Yeah, I'm Barney. I'm Barney Rubble. That's well, no, he was doing Elba his American has, accent, but no, like, but that's that that's like his American accent. Oh, that's true. It was like he was pretending because that time when Barney got hit by that rock and started thinking he was British, and he's oh, like, "Oh, right, I'm Barney Rubble," and it was weird because Idris normally would have a good solid accent because that's his normal tone, but he, he had to be such a good actor. He created like a fake version of his accent and that's why i sound weird is because i'm doing idris impersonating barney impersonating a british accent um but that's not what he's we're here to talk about today an actor and i wish he was in this movie but he you know he's not maybe he is he's not i haven't seen it in a while he might be well i guess there's only one way to find out there is only one way to find out and we're going to do that right now we're going to go watch love actually uh john and i both have it in our personal libraries and that's where we'll be watching it from it's only streaming if you like have a direct tv subscription or a subscription to like spectrum cable otherwise you're gonna have to get it from your favorite uh streaming rental service or you can buy it it's a wonderful movie and it's worth the purchase in my opinion yeah we'll see uh but when we come back we are talking love actually john are you ready yeah. <laughs> you had to work yourself up to it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It'll, <laughs> to the listeners, they'll be mere seconds, but we'll talk in a few days. It'll, and it'll, you know it'll feel like a lifetime to John. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do it. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, John, did you 
well, did you like this movie this time around? That is not where we're going to start this conversation. Where we're going to start this conversation is, did you like this movie this time around? And tell me why, assuming the answer is yes. I did. Uh, And a lot of it, a lot of it centers on nostalgia, but there's a, a good portion of it that's just... I don't know. It's there to. I'm just there to enjoy a series of love stories. Interesting. A series of love stories, you say? I do. So, you know, I think in classic style, we should go through and talk about the movie from beginning to end, describing every minute as it happens. Oh, wait, we don't do that anymore. No, we um, do not do that anymore, as we learned from Little Monsters. So... The movie starts, and we have that voiceover monologue or whatever you want to call it at the airport, and presumably, based upon how that book ends with the end where they do all the shots of the miscellaneous people at the airport, uh, this movie is just all about the love and all the million different ways it manifests, and anywhere you look around you you're gonna see it and and that's and that's kind of the premise and then we just kind of get a a window of that when we zoom into all of our various interconnected characters like would you say that's fair yeah and i mean you can't go wrong with that you 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 think you would think that except except that that i don't really understand what the 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 idea of this movie is uh, you know what what is happening like at different moments there are things that are kind of good or charming or fun or interesting but it's like the overall story doesn't really come across to me to be as much about like depicting about everywhere you look there's love and it's in a million different ways like i think there's one or two or three different types of uh things played but like I guess you can make some arguments for individual relationships in this, but they're just reoccurring themes throughout this that just make me kind of go. So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge that here real quick. And, and you, you may agree with it and you may not, you probably won't because that's usually how this show works. (laughs) But my, my counter to that is this. We have, Ex- classic examples from a film perspective of romantic love in this movie. Would you say that that's accurate? No. Classic Gr- examples of romantic love? Like, name one. Well, you have the the wedding between uh, Juliet and... Oh, yeah, yeah. There is a, we- a wedding happens, yes. Yes, uh, in which two people are presumably in love. Right. And yes, great. Excellent. You have uh, a long-standing marriage that, at least at the beginning of the movie, appears to be your sort of boilerplate marriage and two people who love each other, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Yes? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, you have uh, two co-workers who are uh, not... Uh, sorry, because there's a couple of those. The uh, uh, two stand-ins for the pornographic film... Uh, they're just getting to know each other and they're they're liking each other and things like that. Uh, so you have these examples of 
romantic love in various stages. You know, there's the the very early on, like, hey, let's get to know each other and all that. There's the, hey, we just got married. Hey, we've been married for, you know, 10 or 15 years, so on and so forth. So you have those examples. But then there's other manifestations of love and not necessarily in a romantic fashion. You have uh, love that can't be spoken because, literally can't be spoken because the two individuals don't speak the same language oh you must be talking yeah. about sarah and and carl nope oh then why don't we ever see them even have a conversation that's because we're not actually seeing a relationship we're seeing like the ideas of relationship lots of ideas but nothing actually concrete that's kind of what drove me nuts about a lot of these things where if you took like this is like a big montage, like a collage of relationships and ideas. Some I think work better than others. Like that whole the two the two uh, like porn stand-ins. Like I think might be the best example of what you were trying to describe earlier about the classic romantic. You know that kind of thing because there's kind of a an absurdity and a purity to that. That like this is a setup for you know what you might consider a classic romantic comedy or something like that. But like. Any other relationship, any other thing that's portrayed here, if you try to extend that into a full-length movie with the tone and everything that's set here, it's like, I just feel like nothing would work. Like, I feel like there was I, the I, potential. I okay, give. let's just take an example then. Okay, one example that I disagree with that I think you could make into a feature-length film, maybe not a great one, but one that you could make into a feature-length film and have it be cohesive and understandable is uh, the the prime minister and the assistant falling in love with each other. You could if you added a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't present in this movie. At, well, like, yeah, of course, because like, you have, like, this is a, obviously this is not a, co a cohesive film in which you have a beginning, middle, and end for a single storyline. Like, you, you're, we're looking at this through a, a kaleidoscope, if you will, sort of a la season one of Game of Thrones, where it, we're not just focused on a single story. We have a bunch of interconnected stories going on at the same time. And yes, we're not getting in depth into each story, but we do have these multiple stories going on. I, I just feel like all of these stories we have going on, the only things we see are the parts that are like either the, the beginning or the end, or like you have just... Like, and the beginning and the end, I mean, not the middle, not anything. Like, you have, like you said, the Prime Minister, you know, Hugh Grant and uh, the what's-her-face that works for him. You see where... Who they keep calling chubby, and I really don't understand that, but... Yeah, yeah like, I... That, of course, that's that's just ridiculous. But, like, you, you have their instant connection, and by theirs, I mean mostly Hugh Grant towards her as far as we know. It's kind of hard to tell the other way, but that's fine. And, like, you have that that connection that happens where he is just like, oh, hold it together. Or, you know, whatever. He's like, I'll freak out because he <laughs> doesn't want to be inappropriate or whatever that is. Like, okay, that's fine. And it's like, and you go from that, oh, 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 are they, oh, it's kind of awkward. And then the president's like, oh, which, by the way, I love Billy Bob Thornton as the president. <laughs> but, like, in a, in a, you know, creepy way. But, like, so anyway, so that happens. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, mm, oh I, have, I have feelings and this isn't good. And he, like, throws her away. And then later he's like, but I don't want to throw her away. I'm just going to go find her and just take okay, her I and start like making out I don't like the term throw away. He doesn't throw her away. He pushes her away, maybe. But... 
He, he says, you know, what's her it, face? It's not like he t- Can you tells just reassign his, her? Right, reassign her. He doesn't tell her to put her in the fucking dumpster. Does he have a conversation with her? Does he even talk to her? No, he just says to his assistant or whoever the other person is, like, just get rid of her. You know, well, reassign of course her. not. He's the prime minister of the United Kingdom. Like, it's But what not I'm like saying is that... Just- Right, but that's not an example of a relationship, not a good one. That's not interesting to me. Like, you're taking the beginning where there's that, ooh, awkward attraction, what's going to happen? Then just, like, cutting it off, and then later, with no real buildup or preamble, because you don't have time for it, because you have a lot of different relationships going on, understandable, but you just cut to the end, to the happy ending. Okay, You, you go so- right from the introduction to the happy ending, and that's it. Even though they set up some tension, none of it's resolved, none of it's handled, there's no conversations, there's no awkwardness. It's just, I mean, they set up awkwardness, but it's like presented to you. They don't like work through any of the moments. And I feel like this movie had a lot of potential in the chemistry in some of the different groups. Some are unforgivable and horrible storylines, but some of them <laughs> really, like I really was close to really liking Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson and that their relationship and stuff like that. I feel like they kind of failed on that as well, at least in the resolution. Um, Cause I had, they had some of the best moments in the movie, I think. Oh, agreed. Yes. But they also kind of have this message like, you know, love is really amazing unless it's not, unless it's like something difficult comes up and then just, it just, you can't bother. Cause then it's just, it's too bad. Don't even bother trying like, like Sarah and Carl where, they're like, oh, we, we, you know, kind of fallen in love. We know it. Oh, it's all oh, this stuff. All oh, this is amazing. And then finally, after all this buildup, they, they're going to hook up and everything's great. But then her brother calls and it's like, well, we're done forever. We're not going to have a conversation about it. We're not going to try to connect again later. We're not going to even talk. We're just going to be like, I guess, you know, if someone has a, a brother in an institution, that means they don't deserve happiness. Well, no, but the, 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 the love, that's de- depicted in that particular storyline within this movie of uh, particularly for Sarah is, is while it's inconvenient and it's somewhat tragic, the, the love is a, a brother and a sister, a sister taking care of her brother and making sure that he's See, well, it's tr- well provided for and things like and that. And while it's true that that is being depicted, it's also depicting that you have to choose in this instance, and it has to be tragic, as opposed to just a difficult relationship that you work through with someone who knows you're going to be called away a bunch. Like, they just, they don't even have that conversation is what I'm saying. It doesn't even, they don't even work through it. It's just like an awkward end to a romantic encounter, and then it's just done, and that's the end of the story because she goes and hugs her brother, and, and like now it's like, well her chance at happiness is gone. Like it just, that presentation within the very small scope of this movie, it just doesn't have room to actually depict something. Well, but that's a choice that Sarah makes. Sarah actively makes that choice to, to wall herself off from others in favor of her brother. Now we don't know the circumstances of her brother and and why he's in an institution and why she's made this choice to, you know, to, forego other relationships and and other uh forms of love in favor of taking care of her brother but that's what we have and that's what she has actively chosen so there's not that, that's not to say that she couldn't make that choice she could very easily well maybe not very easily but she could actively make the choice to not answer the phone 
when she's I with guess, Carl yeah. and to not not succumb to her her need to be there 24/7 for her brother. But she doesn't have to be there 24/7 and I think I just think some of these stories would be more interesting if we had some of those conversations that happen in the middle of actual relationships where you like try to work things out and figure out things uh, as opposed to either jumping to the end where it's a happy ending or just saying, Nope, sorry, I guess it's a tragedy. We can't have anything. And I'm not saying that that wouldn't be more interesting, but the, these are the stories that we have within this movie. And honestly, I, I, I don't disagree with you on a lot of these points. In fact, I think you could make the argument that it would be, more compelling if we took one or two of these other storylines out so that we could flesh out more of these kind of bigger storylines. Like I can think of four in particular that I would like to keep in lieu of the others. Uh, one being uh, the the prime minister and Natalie. Okay. Uh, one being uh, Emma Thompson and uh, Alan Rickman. Okay. One being... Uh, John and just Judy, the the two sure, uh, sure. porn actor porn actors, and one being uh, Jamie and Aurelia. Wait, uh, Jamie and wait. Um... Uh, J- Jamie the writer and uh, oh, he, okay. he doesn't speak now, Portuguese that, and she that's doesn't an speak English. Interesting one. I'm borderline on that one, partly because first of all, I love Colin Firth. Secondly, I've many times who, who, okay, who doesn't love Colin Firth? First of all, exactly, yes. yeah. But I've also like literally fantasized about having like a little cottage next to a pond with an old fashioned typewriter that I go to retreat and write something like I've I've had that thought. So like, I, you know, that little connection with him was cool. But like, at least with with them, like there was and, and it's not like because it happens one time. It happens many different times across the movie. You have Jamie and Aurelia, if that's her name. I don't know how to say her name. Yeah, but, um, Aurelia. Yeah. Uh, like you get the the you get introduced to them where they are, you know, it's like, Oh, it's a sweet story because you don't need to be able to speak their language to fall in love. It's like, okay. It's like, but, but, it but it's like, it they're a all lot fucking easier. Wouldn't it? Yeah. And they're like all standoffish until like she takes her dress off. And then he's like, Whoa, hello. Okay. <laughs> but I, I know it's more than that. It's like the whole, like, no, don't jump in the water. This is stupid. It's not worth it. And like, and you know, okay. So I'm not saying that's, that's like not possible. I'm not saying it's horrible. I'm just saying that like, once again, it's kind of this whole idea of like, they, you know, have that thing where they meet and, you know, at first they're kind of awkward, but then they seem to have some spark or something. Then you cut to the end, forget all the middle part. You just cut to the end where they both have learned each other's language and let's get married. Or, you know, like it's, it's like skips to the to the happy ending part. So it just it felt like so many different times you had like the intro and then like let's skip all the middle and just go to the happy ending because we don't have time for the whole story. Well, sure. But I, I never went into this proclaiming my love for the storytelling that's happening here because the storytelling is not great. Like there's there are better ways to tell these stories and that those ways are through other movies. Like some of these should have just had their own movie and and called it good, but they didn't do but that. What didn't. I would say so, is this movie it is what it is, not what it could be. Um, so 
if you find potential within certain couples and you think this could be really good and, and you like this person and that per like to your credit, Anthony, I'll say that the couples that you listed were the correct ones. <laughs> Meaning if you had said like your, your favorite storyline was between like Juliet and Mark and, and Peter no, and like that whole or thing. Like Colin going to the States, like right. that was garbage. Yeah. But that, but like uh, again, we we talked about like there's parallels here, but they're not necessarily good ones. But like, what what is that storyline with Mark and Juliet? It's it's garbage. Like that's the well, maybe again, it's it's one of these things that's not fleshed out because you only have an hour and forty five minutes or, two, or sorry two hours and fifteen. But minutes you can't make that excuse movie. if you if you have a connection that you can't if you only are gonna dedicate twelve minutes of your movie or eighteen minutes of your movie to this couple and you can't do anything good with it they shouldn't be there like oh, i completely agree and so i know i'm like railing against you it's not like you said this was your favorite couple and i'm like saying you're an idiot but it's like it so <laughs> bothers me that like this the whole premise of this and and like that the best thing that that's this couple has ever generated for all of pop culture is like uh, Kate McKinnon being Hillary Clinton parodying the scene with the cue cards on Saturday Night Live. Did, <laughs> like, did you see that? I did. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that's my favorite thing that's come out of maybe the whole movie is that that Saturday Night Live scene. But, um, it, it, you just the premise here is Mark presumably has fallen in love with the girl that is with his best friend. But not, not has fallen in love with has been in love with because apparently they he's been in love with her for a long time. Right. Which is why he's so cold to her. Well, like let's let's just say we have Mark who is in love, has been in love, however you want to phrase it. I'm not I didn't mean to say like it just happened then, but it happened at some point in time, maybe a long time ago. Except has he really have they ever interacted before? Not really, not from what they say. Like never had a conversation. She always thought he hated her. So he's just basically stalked her and looked at her from afar and thought that she was hot and that's it. Right. But but then like his whole like thing with the cue cards and all this stuff was like it's not like so you have the really awkward scene where she gets the videotape and, and pops it in and watches how he was creepily just zoomed in on her face for, you know, an hour or whatever. And, like, if there would have been more resolution at, at that point of some kind, of, of any any conversation, anything, that would have been helpful, but there was nothing. And then you go right from that to, like, what I suppose we're, we're supposed to think is a romantic declaration of love by Mark. But it's like, hey, my, my friend's there, well, but don't tell him I'm, so I'm declaring he, my love for you. So here's the thing that you don't see in that, at the end, like, after that scene so he does the cue card thing and it's supposed to be a, a, this big romantic gesture. And then he realizes after she kisses him and he, she, she runs away. Oh no, this was a terrible idea. So he leaves the country and he actually moves to the United States, moves to Kentucky and becomes a sheriff's deputy. And then the zombie apocalypse happens. Right. All of that makes a lot of sense. But once again, we have to draw those lines ourselves and it's natural. I mean, it's just the only possible conclusion that you've made there. Of course. Well, if you read the novelization, you would know that's again, like gremlins, it makes it better when you just read the, the novelization first, I suppose. Um, and then you have like hundreds or thousands of pages to flesh out these relationships. Um, but once again, like um, we have, and like, look, I'm jumping all around, but you have, you know, Liam Neeson, 
um, who like is in a movie where he has a kid who's not kidnapped. Um, and that was refreshing, but, um, was it though? Well, and refreshing, I'm waiting I mean, for Sam to get kidnapped the whole movie. Yeah, that, that is kind of what I was waiting for too. Um, but you, you have that and there's something endearing, you know, uh, about their, their relationship and, you know, okay, that's fine. But like Sam is just kind of in love with, uh, Joanna, I think. Yeah, um, Joanna. Because she's, you know, beautiful. And that's, you know, that's a 11 year old or 12 year old. I don't know how old they were saying if they have ever said how old he is, but uh, they're, they're young kids. And that's like, yeah. th- that's how they it's like, interpret okay. love. Okay, you're very pretty. I, and so and that's, I love and you. that's kind of considered like an, an immature style of, of love, a young kind of, this isn't really love actually. <laughs> this is love, <laughs> love pretend. Good thing we don't have any other characters that are modeled after that, except we kind of do with Mia being, you know, Harry's secretary and that whole kind of love connection. Worst. No, Mark is the worst. Um, <laughs> Mark's okay, you're the right. Worst. Mia's the second worst. Mia's Colin the second is worst. the third worst. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the fourth worst is. Uh, it doesn't it, matter. It, it's not It's not <clears throat> Billy Mac. It's actually like Billy Mac. And, and his sure line, but anyway. and that's fun and all but it's like has nothing to do with the rest of the movie like I mean, no it should it. be like a rock star movie that he just happens to come to the revelation that his best friend is his manager yeah so it's like but they throw it in because they're saying well there's so many different kinds of love there's also the kind of love between a manager and his best friend well See? it's the early 2000s though so you have to have bill nye in a movie and he gets to choose his role true um it's uh, in his right so that's a good point um, but to, to kind of go back, like, it, it's just interesting because the, that immature model of like Sam being, I'm a drummer and, you know, if I'm a drummer, then, you know, I'm going to get the chick cause that's what happened. Cause he sees Bill Nighy and, you know, and, and like, it makes that connection. Of, oh, okay. I get it. Rock stars get girls and things. It's like, okay, that's kind of cute. Whatever. That's, that's kind of fun. And I, I enjoyed that storyline, you know, to a point cause it was kind of fun and cute and all. But you also have that with like Mark and Juliet as well, where she just he kind of just worships her. He's not actually connected to her, friends with her, had any long conversations with her. He just kind of thinks that she's hot and like he's just fallen in love. And and he doesn't even actually just say, oh, my God, this is so awkward. But yeah, you're you're married to my best friend. And yeah, I had a thing and hopefully we can get through it. And uh, this is so embarrassing. And then he kind of walks away. It's like he does that whole like, hey, uh, no strings attached. I just got to tell you, you, my heart's shattered in a million pieces, babe, because I love you so much and I always will. And that'll never change. And oh, my God. And like and does this whole stupid declaration of love that was also like, you know, if you want, I'm right here. He doesn't have to know. And like that whole thing, like, is kind of like Sam running through the airport, except that was more fun and more plausible no I, mean, I don't know but then you it also was definitely less creepy like it, that that's that bit i actually kind of equate it to uh what dudes on the internet do now when they see a a, a pretty girl on the internet like you see these screenshots of like messages that dudes send to pretty girls on the internet and say oh my god i think you're so beautiful and they're like okay thanks bye and they're like oh you fucking bitch like they 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 turn on them and we didn't get that turn with mark but i could almost see that happening like yeah but luckily she ran out and gave him a kiss right and then he tells her well the only way i can get over you is if i you know get with a a supermodel you know 
And then the only way Colin can find love is if he finds supermodels. And the only way Liam Neeson's character can fall in love again is if he finds a supermodel. Yeah, but how's that going to happen for any of them? Oh, that's true. That can't happen unless it's in this movie. Right. And and even, like, the interesting relationships that I want to hear more of. Like, I'm cool if everything's not happy. I'm cool if there's some things that are left hanging and you don't know. I'm cool if, if you develop complexities of relationships. But then, like have the courage to like dig in a little more instead of having like one great scene and then ignoring it. So it's just like, and the thing, like the perception I feel, and again, this, I may be off on this, not from your perspective, but I feel like the overall zeitgeist of this movie is like with the scene with Mark, with the cue cards, like, like that's supposed to be like kind of a a cool gesture. And even though we go, well, not we, but other people might be like, you know, he's just trying to declare his love. That's just the thing. And they're like, I, I hope they crazy kids work it out and stuff like that. But then you have like <laughs> Alan Rickman who, you know, buys, you know, Mia this necklace. And as far as we know, they actually don't even have sex or, you know, they're definitely not hooking up and planning to run away together or do anything like that. But he does buy her, you know, this, you know, nice necklace, which of course is beyond, you know, what's acceptable. But it's like in the grand scheme of the whole world, is that like, is that something where you're like, nope, you're done forever. Like we've been married for a long time. Overall, things are pretty good. But, you know, you made this mistake and that's done. We don't want to dig in. We're just, I guess it's a tragedy. It's no longer romance. And it's just like, but there is something there. It could be more complex and they could dig in and stuff. And so I think your earlier statement about wanting to pick just like three or four of these couples and, and flesh it out, I think, is maybe what I would consider the best way to try to make this a, a fuller movie that I could actually say that I thought was really good. And and that's a fair statement to make. And I, I, I like how you uh, bring up the, the whole like, oh, no, we're done after the, the necklace thing. Like, granted, we only see after that happens, we only see four weeks in the future. Like, OK, he, he comes back from where wherever he was. I, I forget now. But uh, there America. Was it America? I, I couldn't remember. Anyway, I feel like everyone getting off that plane was coming from America. They must have been, right? Yeah. Uh, but they, they they have a moment where they're like, oh, hi, how are you? And it's amicable and, and things like that. There's got to be marriage counseling after this, right? Like, there, it, it, it's not just a hard stop, you know, well, we're done. Well, once again, we're not shown anything. We're not even right. hinted at and, anything. And that's, that is a failing of this movie, I will completely concede that and moreover like i i said at the beginning of the episode like i don't need every movie to be deep and 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 meaningful in in such a way that it's like oh you know i i i fully understand these characters and i i i absolutely relate to every aspect of them that's not what this movie is trying to do this this again this movie is trying to depict various aspects of love and maybe it doesn't do it super well but it it still does it in in the ways that it's trying to i think in like like i said before in a way in a in a movie with fewer storylines and and fewer couples that you're trying to focus on i think that you can do it a lot better and i think that you can really get get a feel for what these individual couples are going through uh, I, I, I don't need all of them, but you know, that's the movie that we got and I still enjoy it. 
But do you enjoy it as a Christmas classic you like to watch every year because it makes you feel warm and fuzzy about love and the yes. spirit of the, the season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So d- despite breaking it down and talking about its imperfections and how it doesn't really do it that well in certain ways, but it could do it. And it was on the verge of doing it with some of the characters. Like, to me, I think this is more like a Valentine's Day movie that doesn't work rather than like a Christmas movie. But then again... <laughs> We get into that with, you know, I'm not trying to make this into a diehard or gremlins argument with, you know, if there's a Christmas tree or a Christmas song in it, it's a Christmas movie or not. So I'm not trying to make is this a Christmas movie because so, he, so here's why I don't like that. it as a Valentine's Day movie, because Valentine's Day, at least to me, is paltry. And it's it's one of these like fucking overdone things that just I, I hate Valentine's Day as a holiday. I think it's it's some some fake bullshit that Hallmark made up. And you could argue that for pretty much any holiday. But uh, Valentine's Day in particular, I think it's it's used as like uh, propaganda by three or four different industries to make money. And that's as opposed pretty much to Christmas, which, which is all industries to make money. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to get three or four industries in, we should just get all of them in and, and industry industrial equality. So your problem with Valentine's day is, is that it's not capitalistic enough for you. Exactly. I need, I want my capitalism to be all inclusive. Take that to the bank. You know, it's like, uh, cause I'll say your earlier question, did I like the movie? I didn't want to get into that cause I didn't have the hot take of this was good or bad necessarily. I'll admit as as just a viewing experience, it was more pleasurable than what I was anticipating. I thought I was just going to be angry. I thought I wasn't going to like it. I thought I was going to have some level of distaste that made it impossible to enjoy little things in it. And that wasn't true. During the actual watching experience, outside of the Mark and Juliet stuff, and like... uh the fact that the, the the cast, of course, in this is amazing. We can get into that a bit, but it doesn't matter because almost everyone in here is just amazing. And and like and I love the fact that there's all these like smaller parts that are characters from other BBC's movies or uh, TV shows that I've watched since my last viewing of this. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe these people are all in it. Like I know them from this show and this show and this show. But <clears throat> I, I don't even know what my point is. The whole. The, I guess the main main part of my point is the whole Mark Juliet Peter story shouldn't have been in this movie. And, I agree with that. Yes. And the whole Colin and the whole like, whoa, but it's funny and ha, like that also is just trash and whatever. I know it's just there in a com- comedy relief thing, but it's done so overdone to the point where it's like I almost kind of would have liked to have left it his story could be over when he gets to the bar and like it's all awkward and it's like yeah you're in a bar in wisconsin in the winter nothing's gonna happen here and then something does and then you just cut not not draw it out and give it that extra eight or nine minutes that could have gone to like a meaningful story somewhere buried in this movie that never got to come out like i just it infuriates me that those two decisions and then i also really don't like with sarah and carl like that could i feel like could have been fixed you know if there would have been like any weight to you know a conversation between them about the difficulties but there was none so it's like i'm not that forgiving about those three and the at least the mark and julia and then the colin thing those just should be trash and scraped away and just gone scrape them off claire so counterpoint 
Yeah. Rather than scrape them off entirely, let's spin them off. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, I man, want you I'm, to. I feel I, sick already. Oh, no, 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 no. I think you're going to like this. So Mark and Juliet and uh, what's Chiwetelage for his character? Peter. Peter. Mark and Juliet and Peter. They get their own movie. What genre is it in? Horror. Yeah, I was gonna say suspense. No uh, horror. Absolute horror. Okay. And it's and it's just the exact same tone as as it is in Love Actually. <laughs> okay. Uh Colin's story. Uh who directs it? So you keep saying Colin, and I keep thinking Colin Firth, but you were talking about the guy actually named Colin. Oh yeah, the guy playing Colin Mark. Uh um so oh yeah, that it's easy. It's so easy. It's and I'm going to say it's easy because I have one like actual popular easy, but I'm not going that direction. I'm going to say it is directed by Tom Green. Oh, you're wrong. It's the Farrelly brothers. Yeah. See, I thought you might say that. Or I also thought like you could <laughs> you could also say, uh, uh, you know, what's his face? <sighs> Uh, um, who, who did like you know knocked up and uh, oh Judd Apatow yeah like I could see it as an Apatow kind of style thing too okay but no, uh, it, it would be Tom Green and it would be horrible <laughs> uh, Carl and Sarah's story uh, no that gets scraped I, I can't think of anything redeemable about it really yeah, like, I don't want to see that movie. I want to see it as a part of this movie, but with just a little more investment and some kind of, some conflict, you know, some some conversation, something that digs a little deeper so it's at least there for a reason. But no, I don't want to see this as its own movie. It's okay. depressing. Uh, Billy Mack's story, uh, leaning more towards uh, sort of a, um, uh, uh, what was the... The Johnny Cash movie. No, no, I, I was uh, gonna say because I, 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 I'm not even gonna let I'm not even gonna finish this or let you answer. I was gonna say I, I see it as more of like a, a walk hard, uh, that John C. Riley movie. Right. I know that's exactly what you were thinking of, and I think you, you either go that direction or you like elevate it and make it into Rocket Man. Oh, do it as like a like a musical biopic. Yeah. Okay. But like a fictional, you know, spinal tap, but like sure, yeah, more yeah, like yeah, Rocket yeah. Man, yeah. Uh all right. Let's let's have a little more fun with the the stories that maybe we did like or All right, let me take least, a deep breath here. Yeah. Get, get, <sighs> take, have a have a have a sip of whiskey. I've I've uh, Okay, hold on. Cuz you've spent a fair bit of time shitting on numerous parts of this movie. I want a little <sighs> positivity out of you. Who's it's Christmas. Your favorite, who's your favorite character? in this movie it's christmas the character christmas is your favorite no i was just trying to get myself in that happy mood oh gotcha my favorite character in this movie uh, i'm gonna just go with sam the drummer mm. and by drummer i did drummer in quotes in my mind because uh, well yeah because you're a real drummer and he's just some some amateur 
poser. But you know what? I love the fact that they at least pretended that he spent more than five seconds learning to play drums in order to just do a basic drum beat. Oh, yeah. No, you had the the very exasperated Liam Neeson walking by the door numerous times, which was, I, I thought that was a, a nice touch, yeah. I think, to that part of the story. But I also, uh, I also got to say uh, Billy Bob Thornton as the president of the U.S. Like, Billy Bob Thornton as president is pretty great. Who's your favorite? I'm going to say Rowan Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Uh, I totally the, forgot. The, the clerk at the jewelry counter. I thought that he was just and amazing. Also the... like he's so oblivious. And then when did he walks really... up to the ticket counter. Yeah, the did they tie in at the end like that he actually knew what was going on? or knew It looked or that way, right? It's sort of that yeah. wink at the camera thing. Like, oh, I did a little nice thing for the kid. Yeah, and it's like because this movie is this movie, I didn't know if if there was like a backstory we're all supposed to presume, and they didn't actually show to us because that's what they do with everything. Oh wait, he's, now I'm getting off track. And he's he's the again. puppet master behind the scenes. He's actually pulling all the strings to make everyone fall in love. Now this is that's 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 the, that's the, the interesting story because if you take <laughs> now okay okay we're 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 doing it we're doing it we're making this movie interesting to me. If this movie, if we shift it a little bit and it becomes. Not even Rowan Atkins. It becomes Mr. Bean. Oh, shit. It becomes Mr. Bean as Cupid trying to make these things happen. And that's why sometimes you get Colin in America and it's like, and like sometimes you just get, you know, missed connections and things just kind of being dumb, like in their place. Serious. Yeah. But like you play it, it, the whole Sarah and Carl thing. It's like one step away from just being slapstick and funny. But instead, it's sad and tragic. But if you don't know about the mentally ill brother and it's instead they're they're about to, you know, have sex and she falls off the bed because, you know, Mr. Bean accidentally shot her with an arrow or something. But Mr. Bean's already walked off. He thinks he's finished the job. Yeah, he thinks he's got he think he nailed it. And that would also make a lot more sense for the whole Jamie and Aurelia storyline as well. Mm. Like this is. Yeah. Now we're weaving things. Now we're cooking with gas. This makes a lot of sense. Uh, your favorite scene? I mean, it's funny because I think my favorite scene, I just got to go with I think is the most powerful scene and the most well done is when Karen confronts Harry about the necklace. Mm, yes. Like that, that. That is that is very, that, that that's a, 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 a quite an emotional scene. And the way that they, they had it happen in the middle of the the school auditorium, I think. Yeah, like nice because so, usually you, you so get vulnerable. that as sort of like we're about to get into bed, and yeah. now I, I just I can't hold it in anymore. And no, it's like we're we're hashing this out now. And so the the way it just it hits you very quickly, very honestly, in a strong way, but you also are kind of left with that. I'm in the middle of a a auditorium, and you know, like. Like the the vulnerability of that, the whole way it's done, like I that's yeah, that's that's why I, I vote for that. What about you? That's a good pick. I have uh You've man, won. It's you it's only hard. pick one. Fuck, it's hard to pick because Hugh Grant dancing is such a great, great time. I'm gonna have to say the march to the restaurant, Jamie's march to the restaurant through the town, <laughs> uh to to propose to Aurelia, I think is great. Just because you have all these people like making assumptions like the sister says oh he's gonna ask aurelia to marry him and it turns into he's gonna kill aurelia cool (laughs) 
like that, that that whole bit, I think, was was it, it was definitely the most fun for me. I think, aside from Hugh Grant dancing, uh, the yeah. So, I was going to ask least favorite character, but uh, you have have made it well known that your least favorite character is Mark. Oh yeah, uh, by by a landslide. What is your favorite love story? Um, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but overall, I think it's the Judy and John um, as the two, uh, you know, stand-ins. Like, I, because to me, it just feels kind of just honest. It just feels like it, it's extreme and it's kind of funny and awkward, but it just feels like, you know, they've done this before and they, you know, they've, it's all usually way more awkward. And it was just like, you know, like, hey, do you want to just go out sometime? You know, like it wasn't, we didn't see them you know, like standing in for lighting and it's all kind of awkward and they're making small talk. And then 45 minutes later at the end of the movie, movie, we cut to a scene where they're going to the airport for their honeymoon. Like at least we got to see some of that initial awkwardness and development and the asking out. And like, you know, like there was just, there was just enough there. And um, I mean, uh, of course, like I, like everyone else, like we said, love Colin Firth, love Martin Freeman. And uh, Joanna Page, I know her from a series called Gavin and Stacey, uh, which is... I haven't watched that. It's great. It's not um, BBC. You'll have a hard time finding it right now because um, it's not streaming like in most places. It's not but like BritBox or Acorn or anything? Y- you would think so. No, I got Acorn to watch uh, The te- the Tectorists, which oh. Martine McCutcheon, who's Natalie, uh, Hugh Grant's love, she's in that show. So oh, it's just like... So I'm making all these connections with all these people, I've, like I said, I've seen in other shows. <laughs> But that's all to to answer your question, though. I think out of all the relationships, that's the one that like I connected with most because it felt like I could just say, yeah, sure. I I go with this. This is cool. Everything else I had like hang ups. John and just Judy is is a very close second for me because you're right. It it feels like the most authentic exchange and like the, the, the least sensationalized, I think, of all the, the various storylines. I think it, that, for me, Jamie and Aurelia, like they edge it out by just a little bit. And it's it's mostly because of how much they have to overcome from a language standpoint to like get the point across and 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 can you know profess their love to one another. Uh that I think for me uh made it just a, just the tiniest bit better. That's that's Jamie and Aurelia. It's like it's like for people who love the TV show The Bachelor. I'm just I, kidding. I don't. I, I was trying to make you feel bad. That's um, fine because I because I don't love The Bachelor at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. It's it's not a fair equivalence. I was just saying that to just you know try try to get mad and try, turn the try table to get over. under my skin. <laughs> I I can't flip this table over because I just got two really nice monitors, uh, plus my Rodecaster Pro that I'm not going to destroy because you made some disparaging remark. Bachelor. Yeah. Well. You know, it is what it is. Uh, that's I our. Really, sh- I was. I was hoping I was gonna, that was going to one last mention would go, nope. have you go back and destroy nope. everything it's, you love. It, it's all right. It's a Beetlejuice thing. You have to get three in. But the show's over. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> uh, we have new episodes every Monday, so come and hang out with us as we distill another favorite from our past. Uh, we're rounding out the end of our holiday classics uh, uh, film series. Uh, next week, we think you're really going to like the next one. Uh, it's not super old, 
but it is super fun. So get ready to enjoy that. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute to the show uh, in a financial sort of way, you can do that at anchor.fm slash the memory distillery slash support. And you can become a monthly sponsor of the show and help us make really cool content uh, and hopefully quit our jobs one of these days. Uh, John. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You, you guys should all just uh, uh, sponsor us. Um, but no, really, just to, not to harp on that, but like uh, I was talking to someone who was just saying how uh, they, you know, a couple of dollars a month, like to them makes, you know, that's, that's not a big deal. But like, if a lot of people listening do that, that helps us, you know, would finance, you know, our equipment, help us grow and expand our operations. So if you like the show and it's entertaining to you, that'd be cool. Uh, Every little bit helps. Otherwise just keep enjoying. And that's awesome. Um, you know what else you're going to keep enjoying? You're going to keep enjoying certain lines about, uh, if you really love Christmas, Come on, uh, let it snow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that that was one of the songs of our movie, and it was written and performed by Semaphore. Um, and it was mm, was it? It was lip synced by Bill Nye. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's a that's a fun trivia. Um, it's because I think they got bored of us mentioning every week that their song "Destroying the Evidence" is the one we use in our podcast. But it's such a good song. And, but they like, wanted to get into the Christmas music, I guess. I, you'll have to you'll have to look them up on Wikipedia to find out why they may or may not have done that song for this movie. Um, and if you don't want to look up Wikipedia because you don't know how to spell it, you could just email us at the memory distillery at gmail dot com and ask us, and we'll tell you the real the real deal what's going on there um but also, it's, it's true john said it so it's canon now it's it's pretty true um relatively really close to almost being true and on top of that another thing that is true is that we do want to hear from you about ideas you have for future shows because new year's right around the corner we're always looking for you know whether it's just a movie that you really have been hoping for years that we would get to and we never have or you just have a, a fun, radical idea that kind of turns, you know, the whole formula on its head, but you'd love to see what we do with it. We, we love that kind of feedback. It's, it's, it's an amazing way to support us just by conversing and sharing or, you know, hit us up on Facebook at the Memory Distillery Facebook page or even uh, Twitter, you know, at TMD Pod. Um, but the, the bottom line is I think we can all agree Love Actually is not a very good movie. It's not a very good Christmas movie. It's not really a Christmas movie. It has None a of few, those statements are true. It, true. It does have a few glimmers of potential. There were things about it that I didn't hate. And I, I can absolutely say this part totally true. This is by far not the worst movie that we've watched for the show. That <laughs> not even close. Unequivocally true. I just got fired up about it. I don't actually hate it. I just have some issues. So overall... Strong feelings. Overall, you know, it was okay. <laughs> and, and on that bombshell, I will thank you all once again for listening. I'm John Deck. And I'm Anthony Venary, and this has been The Memory Distillery. Pip-pip. Cheerio. They're, they're in good.